What's up guys? Nate here with Philip once again. What's going on? Hey, how you doing? What's up? What's up? Recording for the day, actually. This is changing up a little bit for our schedule, yeah. but welcome to Practice episode <laughs> Yeah, welcome to episode <laughs> twenty-four of the Pokey Talk Podcast. We are kind of just talking about the state of the market right now. And a little segment on like junk slabs, you know, over the last few months, it's kind of becoming evident that we are kind of amongst a market shift. Um, you know, I'm not sure what all you've been tracking, but we, we've been tracking a couple of the same things. And, yeah. you know, last year, majority of the market is down, but there's things stirring in the water. I feel like some things are starting to get a little more interest. A lot of the junk slabs are coming back. A lot of, you know, sets that were in the junk slabs and the hype of the hobby, they're really starting to come back and trickle down even further. But, uh, yeah, we're going to jump in it all and check it out. So, For sure. Just want to give an update. Kind of just because last time I was going to drive to the old STFL to uh, sell to Yeti. Um, and this is kind of where the idea came up for this episode. As Nathan mentioned, we have talked about like jump slabs before. We plenty of times, you know, one of the first episodes we talked about jump slabs, the PSA, blah blah blah. Um, but it became evident because so obviously cards have value, right? Like even the junk slabs have some sort of value, but even cards that aren't necessarily considered junk slabs, ones that are under like 50, 60 bucks, a lot of places don't even want it, it seems like. Because if it doesn't move within 30 to 60 days, it's not worth their money. And that's how, obviously, that's just a business model. Like, that's how I operate, too. Fluid money. Move it as fast as possible so you can put it in something else. Especially in I the, mean, like, down market right now. Like, you know, yeah. during the hype, they may not have cared to hold on a little bit. But, I mean, now they just have to make sure that they have that turnaround and they don't mm -hmm. want to get caught with it. But, I mean, yeah. Like, I'm... They would sell it faster, obviously, because they can literally put it in their shelves. And because of its evolutions, the old artwork, you slept $20, $25 on it, they will sell. Like, it's 20 bucks. It's cheap enough to where people won't even think twice about, oh, I'll put my tray towards this. You know, it's a cool little slab. Because some people really, really value slabs. Even if, to us, it doesn't really mean anything because we personally got it graded and we, we're seeing these slabs all the time. So we know how common it is. But that's not to everybody. So some people are more attracted to it others, even if it's just 20 bucks, because you don't need to have a whole lot of money to appreciate this hobby. And these people still enjoying these junk slabs are one of those factors. But ultimately, the first time I went up there was in what, early October. So he bought pretty much all my evolution slabs, the one that were like PSA 9. And my goals weren't really, like, I was kind of wanting to keep on to it. I wasn't really thinking, like, oh, I could potentially go after a grail. And then suddenly, you know, something clicked in, in my mind, like, in December. Like, oh, I can actually afford these grails. What have I been doing with my collection? Why, why is this sitting here? And, <laughs> and that sudden realization occurred a little too late. You know, sometimes... I get so focused on a certain aspect or goal that I almost get like tunnel vision. There's certain like extraneous factors like outside my vision that are right in front of me and I don't even see it. And that yeah. was one of those 
that was one of those times, unfortunately. So what I should have done is literally I should have taken every single slab up there that I even had a 50% chance of potentially selling. I should just have taken everything at once because he took most of my evolutions. By the time I went up there again, um, like six weeks later, it was like, I won't take any of these. Yeah. And then I show up again, like on the 1st of January with, he has some evolutions, but it included tens stuff that you would sell. Like it's, it's a PSA 10 and some of the more chase cards that were PSA nine. And he was like, no, like I don't want these. Like we're so loaded up. I cannot buy these at all. If you did, if I did, it'd be like $10 for credit. And I was like, I just can't do that because yeah. obviously I would make, I know it's not that much, but I'll make twice that if I sold it on my own. And yes, eventually it will sell. Like, I have already made profit from all the money I put in, including my current collection. Like I don't have a, I'm not desperate to sell. So I wasn't going to take that huge of an L over something that I, I'd rather have the feedback on my eBay than take that much of a loss. And sure, I mean, I am selling on eBay, but it is kind of go slower now. At first it was going quick. I sold like a dozen in like a week. And then now it's like slow <laughs> Yeah. at a standstill. I haven't sold one in like five, six days. Um, but they kind of brought up with the whole junk slab and like how he at first could have his slabs. And that timetable was pretty much what everybody was getting back their October PSA order, like the last people, right? Where it was primarily evolutions, hidden fates, all that. And I obviously that week I drove out there that we got the order. I drove out there and sold. And I even told you I'm worried that there's going to be a, a flux of these cards in the market. I got to get there ASAP. But obviously I couldn't be like, oh, maybe I should take everything. <laughs> I was yeah. like trying to be a collector and kind of like business savvy. And it's really difficult for something like like this. It really is. And a lot of your stuff, like, you know, I, I remember thinking this when we got those first orders back. Like you wanted to keep a lot of things that were kind of potentials, but like a lot of people also graded. Like, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are buying the same stuff you were there for a while. Yeah. So just because you wanted to hang on to them, you were thinking like a few years down the road rather than like, you know, yeah. all the junk slabs coming back. And I was thinking, have it, yeah, I was thinking having a part of my, my collection for a few years because, you know, I almost have a master set. I'm like 12 cards shy of having a master set that included the graded cards. But then I was like, you know what? I, I did the math on how much it would cost me to fill that cards, even in near mint. And like it's like two hundred twenty bucks, and half that is just the two Charizard, the reverse foil, and the foil Charizard. But that puts things in, into perspective, including the great cards. I was like, you know what? It is going to take forever to see something that I would allow to actually get, you know, thirty to forty dollars to be able to sell per slab. It's going to take five, six years. Yeah. <laughs> like it's going to take a long time. Like you're basically going to have to have another hype and people hype into base set, and obviously go back into evolutions. Yeah, if you, don't, where... if you don't hit a 9 or 10, yeah, it's, like, yeah. kind of crazy. I'm looking on and, eBay right yeah. now, like, most of the 9 hollows, like, this Raichu is going for $26 in a bidding, but, yeah, there's there's not much happening. No, and, you know, part of that was, like, just a mistake on my part. Not a huge mistake, because, ultimately, I'm transferring everything I sell from here into a Grail, Um and it's just basically shifting the money that I've already put into something else. And I made the mistake in not being able to see the forest through the trees, essentially. 
And next time, I'm just if I feel like I might sell, if there's other cards or things in my collection I'm trying to get rid of, you know, it's all it's also good just to have that money on hand in case something like you know Disney Lorcana comes up. Obviously, that's kind of once in a blooming situation, but you you understand what I mean with that because you could also have like a Mario Pikachu come up, and for some reason it's you we might be able to get it for under two thousand on eBay you know, or something like that. Like you know, you just swoop in. You know, like just having that available money around just always always helps. You never know when you might be able to pull the trigger on something on a great deal on on the market. And ultimately, though, I was still able to um, get some money. Like doing it this way, I'm actually going to get more cash, obviously. But I ended up getting like seven hundred dollars in cash. I was hoping for like I think like eleven hundred with everything, but. He only took the some of the more I don't want to say higher end slabs because they're still only like around two hundred dollars. Yeah, but he did take a lot of those. But there's also some things, as I was telling you, I just kept my mouth shut because there were certain things that like he wanted. I was like, here is a template of everything price. You know, this is about what I see with the market, and you know, it's pretty close on on a lot of this stuff. He was like, no, we I'm doing it all on my own. I was like, okay, that's fine. And when he did that. He nearly triple, because yes, the, so one of my promos that I had was a shh, be a Pika, like just, you know, a promo that they they received, what was it, like for the Kanto opening, or no, the Shibuya opening, oh, I think yeah. is what it was. And um, Price that a little higher? A lot higher. I priced it like 35 bucks near Mint, because that's really what they're going for. He was looking at near Mint, or he was looking at like PSA 9, PSA 10, and it's like, it looks like it, but you and I know. There was a small indention, enough to bring it down to a six. It looks near me other than that, but there's a small little indention on, on, on like the back that you can't see unless it's, you look at it out of the sleeve under the right light. Yeah. And so it's not really near me because of that. And I just kept my mouth shut. And then I had a bunch of miscellaneous raw cars. I was just just trying to sell just to clean up my bolt collection. And I, yeah, me. and I, I know how this interaction went because, like, you told me. Like, some people yeah. might think, like, oh, that, that's kind of shitty of you. But, you know, he he very much was seemed to be the controlling factor of this negotiation. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, you offering that help and making it easier on him. If he thought so much about the situation that he didn't even want your help, then that's on him. Like you were genuinely like you spent a lot of time looking those cards up, you mm-hmm. know, because you were trying to get on his good side to make a deal. Yeah, and he pretty much just shut you down and didn't want your help, didn't care about your list. So that's on him. And it was the first time he said no to my list. And now I'm not gonna lie, I do round up when I'm doing my estimations because that's about what they're gonna sell it as. Like I price things for a living all day, and. When it comes to like you know seeing the market and kind of what we 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 would sell it as, you're gonna shoot for the top of the market or like mid high in terms of what what you're gonna price it as. Sometimes even more if they, there is not a whole lot on the market, and that's what they do. I've looked enough at their that their pricing on like TCG Player on eBay to know what price points that they're trying to hit. And a few of them, like for example, they're like two twenty two thirty. I'll, I'll, I'll be like. Like with some of my RCS AR10s, I'm like, you're gonna sell that at 250. I know you are. So that's what I price it as, and I did it to give me more power in negotiations to, to get the actual target price that I'm tr- I was trying to get. It's just a simple negotiation tactic to where 
the evaluation is within the, the realm of reality. But obviously, they're going to try to get it as low as possible. But, you know, it's just because they were going to chip for me down anyway. So that gives me essentially leeway in negotiations to get what I'm actually wanting. Like with the price that I put it at, it's fair. But there's also certain cards that I know you can get more money for that I basically had for a higher room of negotiation to get the actual price I want because he's going to try to get everything down as low as possible. Yeah. And, you know, just a simple negotiation tactic. And with the, the miscellaneous cards, it was like around 30 bucks, And that was like eBay price. That was like TCG player prices. I saw on the calculator, he evaluated at 45. I'm like, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> and, you yeah. know, so I, I, actually, I actually, so when I came back, I actually, after that, I actually came back and I pulled a bunch of bulk I had in my, like, bulk bin of, like, full arts from every era from the, uh, you know, from basically the e-reader sets, you know, even watch the e-reader sets all the way up to ultra modern. I, I just pulled out everything. I'm like, I don't sit here and enjoy these cars. I don't like basket over them. I'm just going to take them all up. And like, I'm going to evaluate. So I know what I'm getting. And like, I'm, it's 180 cards. <laughs> yeah. And if they're going to look up each individually, I got to split this up between two days because, and not every card is probably worth it, but I'm going to make it to where it's like under a hundred. But think about that. A hundred cards you're looking up. That's at least an hour at least. But anyways, the whole idea is basically get that and get a uh, 2016 World Championships um, promo with the Canto starters on it that was based in San Francisco. That I'm basically going to shift all my bulk that I don't care about towards that card because that card, yes, it's niche, but I think it's also really slept on. And if you look at the other cards from that era that are the same style, same artist, same everything, it's there's already a stark difference in price between that one and other cards from the era. It's very... Like it's pretty. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's not it's like five like, percent. It's like twenty percent. It's just like the Festa. You know, there's other Festa cards out there aside from the twentieth anniversary. Yeah, it wasn't the first or last, but yeah, that one's price so much more than the other ones by like, you know, four hundred percent or something. So well, and what's what's weird is like if you look at it, I was showing you. There's not one PSA ten in existence. You know, I'm not saying like the card that they have at Yeti, they got two of them, by the way. I'm not saying any of those will be a PSA, PSA 10, but they are pretty good about their actual grading. Like they are 100 percent good. I mean, so, sometimes like the situation, like with the card I have, yes, anybody can miss that. But by and large, we've seen where they mark it as lightly played. It could be borderline near mint. So they're they're, they're pretty good about that. And yeah, that's good. so when I, when I, whenever I think near mint, I'm thinking like PSA 8 area, you know, so if you look at PSA 8 and 9s, PSA 9s are almost going for $1,000. PSA 8s, you're going to probably break even after the fees and, and whatnot. You might make like 30 50 bucks, And then PSA 7 is basically like you might take a small loss. But like overall, I feel like it's a, a card that's not really talked about. Yes, it's niche, but it has the Kanto starters on it. And it was in 2016, the first hype in Pokemon. Nobody's talking about it, and it's one of those cards that could easely. Yes, there's different variants. You got the, you got the uh, entry level promo. You got the staff promo. You got the, the finalist. Blah blah blah. Um, but ultimately, that's a card that can easily go up to five, six, seven hundred, a thousand dollars in near mint condition down the road because of everything surrounding it. 2016, it was in San Francisco. Canto starters. I mean, it's it's. It's got natural scarcity. It has great artwork. It's, it checks off a lot of factors that we talk about. It's got great Pokemon on it. 
I mean, it checks off a lot of factors that we talk about cars that you should, that are probably going to do well. It checks off literally almost everything. So, yeah, it's a good one. And yeah, it'd be be crazy if you could pull a 10, but (laughs) that'd be, I'm not expecting it. Yeah. I, a nine, I'd be happy with a nine because a nine means I'm doubling my money. So, but again, if that is the case too, like if that ever becomes like, you know, not so niche card or more exposure to it, those nines could really go up because, you know, you just see that, like, um, I think of like pre-release Clefable, I collect the pre-release cards and an eight because the, there's no PSA tens on the Clefable. Mm-hmm. So what I usually nice. do, yeah, what I usually do is like, you know, pretty much everyone knows now if I ever grade a 10, I like selling 10, buying the nine. Well, in, in that case where there's no tens, if I ever grade a nine, I'd sell the nine and buy an eight. Like I always want like the second highest because that premium is just a little ridiculous to me, I think, you know, for certain cards. Um, I don't think I've ever bought a PSA 10 card now that I think about it. But, yeah, it's uh, it's weird with those cards. If anyone does hit a 10, obviously that's huge money. And the 9s and 8s won't be affected too much because there's only one. But mm-hmm. And... Yeah. You got to think, like, I saw, I haven't seen what others have sold as, but there is somebody that has, like, a staff, or it's either staff or finalists. I think it might be a staff PSA 10. They have it on, listed for, like, $20,000 on eBay. It might even be s and uh, mm-hmm. honestly. I know he, he has the finalists of those, but there's one that's, like, for sale for, like, $20,000. And, obviously, that card's not mm-hmm. going to get it, but honest, if you would hit a 10 in that situation, you could probably throw $10,000 for it, and, I mean... Who knows what you could potentially sell it as. It really comes down to if somebody wants that card, only one in existence, what that person's willing to pay, honestly. Like yeah. you, have, you have a lot of – and if you don't feel the need to sell it, I mean, you have a lot of bargaining power that you're, you can get at least $5,000. And I'm not expecting a 10, but if you look at the PSA sold, it's not completely updated with some of them. There was one PSA 9 that sold for like $200 back in like 2019 or 2020, I think it was. And – there, the most recent one sold for around, I think it was like 800 or 900 or 1,000 or something like that. Um, and there's only like 20 or something PSA 9s from what I recall. It's very it's very little. There, there's, it's not graded that much. And if you look at the factors that it was a distributed at a tournament, a world's tournament, you have primarily players, not collectors who participated in that event. And you have to start thinking, you know, a 10 is going to be very rare in that card, especially as time goes on because you have a burn rate of quality in terms of damages and whatnot. And, you know, if a lot of people didn't have a sleeve, they just put it wherever. I mean, you could have got a nick, you know, a bit corner, enough to take it from a 10 to a 9. Yeah. So. Yeah, you never know with those, especially people walking around at the events a lot and all that business, so. All right. Well, we went a little long on the intro because we're (laughs) heading into news. And there really isn't much news happening. Yeah. Um, so I want to start off, you know, we're talking about all this with the Junk Slabs coming back. Um, will it get better? Probably not for, you know, at least until summer. People are still getting cards back. People are still waiting on Lutkin's cards, uh, navigating through that mess. But they're they are getting cards back, so that should be wrapping up. 
I think we'll pretty much be at the new baseline this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at that point, all the junk slabs that have came back have came back. There will be a large chunk of cards that will just not be worth the $15 or less that was spent grading them. You know, that's just the reality. And we've never had that situation in Pokemon before because it's always been a slow trickle up and we've never had a a big decline like this ever until last year. So there will be slabs out there that are literally junk slabs for a long time. Uh, Thankfully, those should be flushed out. Um, On the other side of the spectrum, you look at modern and even though we are seeing this, you know, maybe we're seeing less grading because people are realizing that all those cards and everyone sitting in the same stuff is obviously not working out and they're getting slapped with reality now that they're all coming back. But despite that, modern is flourishing more than ever. It's never really stopped. I think we had like a a cool down at the end of last summer when, you know, the, the last few sets around that time weren't really hitting on all fronts. They were cool sets, but you know, they just had like one or two hits that you really wanted. And now at the end of the year, when sets really ramped up again, um, you just kept seeing that growth stuff like evolving skies right now is $300. Um, we saw that first reprint in the summer and it got the boxes down to like 120, but still chucking. They they came down a little bit, but now they're back up. There's like nothing at stores anymore. I remember during the summer you could find some stuff when they, you know, were really focused on printing. And I think the biggest problem around the holidays this year was they were focused on that Charizard box and the holiday products. You know, they were just trying to print out so much stuff just so they could have stock out there for Christmas. And we're still seeing the Charizard UPC out on shelves, and they did a really good job with that. But now that the holidays are over, I think they're on to printing, you know, the next wave of things. Scarlet and Violet, I'm sure, is well in production or maybe finishing. And Pokemon Support actually released an article um, that was an update on the product availability. And this is on their official website. If you go to Pokemon Support, uh, Pokemon TCG, Hot Topics, it's literally the top article. Um, and they basically just say that they're aware, they understand it's an inconvenience, a disappointing. And the middle, the middle paragraph here is what I want to take from this. So it, it says word for word right here. In situations... Where there is limited availability, we are actively working to print more of the impacted Pokemon TCG products as quickly as possible and at maximum capacity to support this increased demand. And it even has highlighted here, reprinted products are expected to be at or expected to be available at retailers as soon as possible. So to me, it's like they finished up Scarlet and Violet print, basically, and now they are just unloading into reprinting sets. Um, This was just 14 hours ago as of recording this, so just a couple days ago as you guys are listening. But it seems like they're just going all in. They don't say which sets. They just say 
they're just going all out. And it says for future TCG expansion expansions, we are maximizing production to increase product availability upon release and we'll continue to reprint the products to replenish stock at retailers as soon as possible. So my impression of this is that, you know, the Charizard UPC, as great as it is and how many there are, they just really went all out on that product because they knew it had potential to go bonkers if they didn't meet the demand. And not only did they meet it, they surpassed it. Um, but I think it seems like that was pretty much their only focus. And that was really the first product we saw where they just really hit out of the park as far as the demand goes. So they just slapped it on the face and, uh, you know, left scalpers in the dust. So I think that's what they're going to be trying to do for future sets by that wording. And I think they're well, trying to do that now with, you know, sets that could be reprinted. I mean, you could argue potentially what anything from battle styles, well, not celebrations, but like almost anything since battle styles is probably fair game. Um, and yeah, I would, think I would so. almost. I would almost guarantee, we've talked about this before, like we were saying all these guys are going to get at least two more reprints. Um, Now, will they get a booster box reprint? We'll see. It could be just like ETBs and stuff um, and packs. But I think they're probably taking a look at the price of all these guys' booster box at $300. And it's what? It's like just doubled in the last few months. Yeah. I can see them definitely reprinting because if it's that much for a booster box, I mean, it's still going to be in play pretty much through this season and the, in the uh, TCG uh, regionals and all that. So they got to make it to where booster box is more affordable. Although, yes, there's a lot of great cards in Evolving Skies. And even other even other sets like Silver Tempest, Chilling Rain, but you have to wonder if some of the prices we're seeing is FOMO. I think you know, that's, that's that's something else to consider as well. Even though obviously these sets are going to be printed, and I think a lot of these people, I'm seeing people on like Reddit and other places, eighteen hundred dollars for a case of. Evolving Skies, $1,800 for, like, an actual case. And we can go more and more detail this this keep-sealed mentality that doesn't quite make sense a little bit later on. But, I mean, if you open that box at $300, there's a chance you're not going to just lose money on that. You're going to lose big. Yeah, you're probably going to get Everybody knows. <laughs> yes, wrecked is a good word for it because at $300... At that point, if you don't pull one of the Altar VMAXs, I mean, you lose money. Yeah, it's Honestly. it's not a very... Every Evolving Skies I open and a lot of the boxes, like, it's not a good value to open. <laughs> no. I mean, because it's, it's pretty much always been overpriced, I think. And yeah, you hit big if you hit an Umbreon, but... The, the odds of that are just insane. So Yeah. It's it doesn't make sense at this point to open Evolving Skies. And you can even argue for some of these items, like if they have gone up in price, right? 
everything's gone up since their lows. And it still makes sense to open those. It's still at that price point. But if they don't have another surge of printing in the market, it's going to some of those are going to hit around the same point where it's no longer worth it to actually buy this sealed booster box. My only thing is, is like if they just do another round of, you know, ETBs or something like that, I don't think it's still going to do much like. I think Pokemon is going to have to give this the Charizard UPC treatment and just, you want it? Here you go. <laughs> you know, just to give people a reality check because right now, yeah, it's it's honestly in a bubble, I think. I mean, every yeah, and- every kid that you hear at the local game stores, their favorite Pokemon is Umbreon. Everyone's talking about it. It's like a circle jerk on Reddit about investing in evolving skies or stonks bro hey hey what's the manufacturing date on your on your case is that first print is that the first edition or what it's first print yeah it's his first print on the case don't don't sell before no you know the sell by date yeah we've, we've actually seen that we have actually seen that people there are niches within the hobby that are trying to give it a distinction over first print and second print like a first edition and unlimited yeah. Seriously, and you can't prove it once it's out of the case. <laughs> yeah, so what does that uh, do? That, that essentially proves or guarantees that that box should never be open? Like, yeah, if I did collect something like that, yeah, you bet I would never open that box because that's the only distinction that that has from anything else. And down the road, people want these things for the products themselves like you want to open these things down the road like that's why people buy them people eventually are going to get tired of holding them or people are going to eventually you know run out of money to buy to open one you know there's always there's always someone with more money out there but there's so many of these available like nobody wanting to open Evolving Skies is going to pay more because you have the don't sell by this date sticker on your case. You know, that's only for sealed collectors and the state of sealed is very much a gray area now with all the sketchiness happening. You know, TCA Gaming, Rusty, was getting fake Japanese booster boxes of EV heroes from Japan from his source in Japan, like out of the reprint gate. So there is a major problem happening right now with fake boxes, and it's only going to get worse. And, yeah, I I just do not want to be into anything sealed like that. Maybe a booster box, like eventually, like if I want to open it myself down the road. But, yeah, I just... I just can't think of a situation where I'd want to do that. Granted, take it from me. It's been a long time since I opened up a booster box, but I just know, like, I don't like having clutter. I'm a pretty minimal person. If I open up a booster box, I'm like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want this bulk. I don't want these $2 cards. <laughs> I, I made a special box in my closet just for stuff like that, where I can just shove them and be done with it. But yeah, it's a. Uh, I don't know. There's just so many better things you could do right now. This is the time to buy 
you know, you got to be aggressive when other people are scared to make money in the long run. And but don't buy seal product. Yeah, people are <laughs> people are just buying the wrong things. So here's, you know, we'll get back to the whole thing with the junk slabs here in a second. But I just want to run a few numbers real fast that I couldn't help but notice. Yeah. We so, could just be in the main topic now, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I guess we'll just consider this the main topic because yeah, there yeah, really is not much we, news. Well, and we'll discuss the Scarlet Violet once we some more. Like they they released nine cards, we can just you know talk it up just to fill time. But I'd rather talk about it once we see more. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you know, we kind of say it's not worth opening to a certain point. You know, probably two hundred dollars a box. Um, let's see, what's most market price for a booster box? Like one forty ish nowadays. Um, so I was assuming you, you bought it even lower. Like, let's say you bought it at 125, right? 130 shit. Um, so I would say a lot of people are probably in the tax bracket that, you know, it gets taxed up to a certain point. So you're in the tax bracket between like 42,500 and like 88,000 or whatever it is. Obviously everything taxed after that point will be taxed at that rate. Or, you know, everything you're after that point will be taxed at the rate. So the way I see it is like, say if you make exactly 42,500 a year. So your primary income is your actual job. Okay, so everything you sell is ancillary income. So at that point, ancillary income would be taxed at the 20%, 22% tax rate. So if you include that plus about the 13% from eBay, that's 35% off right there. So 65% because we assume the tax law is going to be situated at some point, right? Like I know the IRS may hate it to where you don't have to do it for this past year, yeah. but we assume it's going to occur this year, right? Like, I mean, that's pretty much a given and don't expect the threshold to change honestly do not expect the threshold to change do not expect anything to be done of significance in the next two years when it comes to legislation and it, it, will it be potentially fit amended maybe who knows but don't, don't count on it so right now it's six hundred dollar threshold say you were trying to sell in 2024 early it's 2024 right so Say if you sell it at 400 bucks, you're in it at 130. By my math, you're looking at what? Like maybe a hundred dollars, yeah. maybe that you make in profit. So yeah, that's not bad. But you held on the item for three years for a hundred bucks. It was held in that in that amount, or it was held in that one item for that long. You yeah, could have so much easily, better things. You could have easily made your money back again and then some instead of just keeping it in one item for three years. 260 is 65%. So, okay, let's say you doubled your money. That doesn't even include the inflation. Say if you bought it in 2021, that's about 8.2 to 10% inflation right there. So that's another $26. So you're already making what, 2240 or 235? So, yeah, so you basically are making 100 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've all, we're already seeing people are spending $300 a box on a case for Evolving Skies. So it's got to go even further to get any the same profit margin. We're talking $600 a box. So we're talking the same amount of Evolutions, you know, a little bit less than what Evolutions is going for. And Evolutions was printed to oblivion and it was printed six years ago. Just think about the time that we're talking about here. People are just thinking super stonks, bro, super stonks. And yes, you can make money from it and you will. The problem is, is the time costs some money and the opportunity costs of not buying something else in the market that you could have made your money 
back within one year. The same amount of money profit margin that took you four or five years, whatever, to make, you can potentially get in less than one year. You can get it in six months. Find a card on eBay, look at ones that looks near mint, and you can get it graded. Boom. Obviously, there's more factors to it. Like, you kind of have to know what you're looking for, right? But, like, you could have made that money back in less than a calendar year. Meanwhile, you're sitting that money sitting on there for five years, and you're only going to make 150 bucks or, or, or whatever. And that's assuming you know you bought it at basically MSRP. And we, we've already seen that people aren't buying at MSRP. People are in at $200 a box, $300 a box for Evolving Skies. And here's the problem, people, another problem, too. It's like a lot of that value is coming from the Umbreon. Yes. But, like, a lot of people don't don't understand, like, People are cracking these boxes, chasing the Umbreon. Pretty much every other card in this set that's not like the two or three biggest VMAXs, people are going to have so many of these that if the price goes up at all, people are just going to have like a stockpile of them and just send them off for grading. So like all these other cards just have really nowhere to go because as soon as they go up people are like oh it's worth that now i'm gonna grade mine let me put it on market yeah let me put it on the market so it's just got like anytime it goes up it's gonna be so hard to break out because people are gonna see that and like oh maybe i should grade mine okay prices came back down some people missed the boat okay next year kind of creeps up again oh i'm gonna grade mine People just and have also, so many modern product; it's like unreal mm-hmm. and sealed on top of that. And I also just wanted to clarify—I can't remember if I said, but yeah, like forty-two to like eighty thousand your tax at like the twenty-two percentile, or like not twenty percent, but like twenty-two percent. Um, I just wanted to clear that up. And even if you try to sell like off Facebook groups, people are going to expect a ten percent deduction, if not more, ten to fifteen percent deduction from that. So, you know, there's somebody that was on Reddit that was telling me. Just pay it with crypto, bro. I'm like, dude, you did not just say that to me. Pay it with crypto. If somebody's offering to say if it's $600, okay, say if it is, and you've got a case, all right, so that's $3,600 you have, and somebody wants to buy the whole thing, right? I am not sending that whole thing from somebody that just paid in crypto, okay? I am not doing that. And it is a immediate red flag to me if somebody would try to get me to do that. I'm like, ah, I've lost interest. Crypto in 10 years, I imagine, will be more regulated, but right now it's not. If somebody says, oh, you said Bitcoin, if it's like a $100 item, sure, whatever. I'll, I'll go ahead and take it. But that much money, no. No, absolutely not. Now, I know a lot of people buying these items have the financial freedom to be able to purchase items. So not everybody is like, oh, it's so sad, lost cause. You know, you just lost everything. These people that can or bu- that afford to buy are buying it. I imagine most aren't stretching themselves to buy this much. Um, so it's basically just young people who are not being smart with their money. Yeah. Essentially what it's young people being stupid with their money because they see an easy way to, to get quick, quick cash. Now here's the thing. A lot of people point to somebody like Rudy from alpha investments. Here's the thing. Rudy buys not just in bulk. He clears out vendors. Oh, and then yes, he'll pay for like, say for like chilling rain, whatever. He probably paid an average of 85 a box and he's probably got at least what at least a thousand boxes so just do the math if he sells at 200 after you know shipping or whatever or however he 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 he, he, he calculates that say he just makes a hundred dollars profit a box to a hundred times a thousand you know 
that's some serious cash, and he can make that within a couple of years. Yeah. We are people are not most people in the hobby aren't going with that much gross being able to make six figures in just two years or, or whatever it is. And that's okay. the other thing. All these people like who think they're sealed collectors and they're going to keep one box. Well, everyone who was already doing that is instead keeping like a case now. So everything has just grown exponentially, you know, like, I know Catch em All Collectibles was talking about this the other day, Dan. You know, he used to set back one or two boxes. And now that everyone is doing it, or just the times have changed, he's thinking ahead in the future. And instead of keeping one box, he's like keeping a case or, or more. So some sometimes he's he's talking about like 100 boxes per per set. Because so. he's, getting he's getting to that point where he has that enough financial liberty to do that. And, you know, when you get to 100 boxes and you look at how quickly it can reach the point that you need, it's different. It's completely different. But when you're talking about most people in the hobby, they're maybe buying a couple boxes, a case at most. Yeah. So when you're looking at that and you're looking at how long it would take you to get your money back and then you just you, you have to sell on eBay. Maybe some card shows might buy it if it's like two years from now for, for Evolving Skies, maybe. But in five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, no. Most people are not going – we saw that firsthand. And, yes, a lot of people will be familiar with it, but most people aren't going to be so familiar to, to catch issues. And by then, with 3D printing and with just a lot of other factors, being able to being able to get access to a some sort of wrap machine to imitate it, you know, there, there's technology that it can be done to basically imitate it, and it's getting better and better. Um, and I just – be very leery and like you think it's going to be a slow trickle for people selling so it's just going to be down it's just going to be a, lo a low affordable price for like the next 10 years or so and i think that's true but i also think there's a possibility where it hits a certain point just like you said like with the umbreon it'll hit a certain point because of a hype and because of that hype all of a sudden it will bring out everybody from the word work causing it to drop we kind of saw that with the evolutions a little bit you know during the hype you know it hit like 12 1300 and then went back down to the seven eight hundred um and I think you can expect to see that right there. You know, there's, and we have a lot of people that are keeping track of what they have invested, quote unquote, through apps like Pokefolio, um, uh, Collector. You know, people are actively keeping track of how much that they're making. So when people sell, they're like, "Oh, I made two hundred bucks." Yeah. But yeah, but you could have made that in a year instead of having your money sitting. Like what I tell people with, if you want to collect modern English steel. Do it because you like the set. Don't do it to expect making money. Because, yes, you will make money, but there's other ways to make money quicker. Yeah, that's kind of what I say, too. I mean, yeah, eventually Pokemon is going to be so far ahead in the sets that, you know, they can't go back and reprint this. They're only reprinting it because the demand is still high. So, yeah, eventually they just have to move on. But... It, it looks it looks bright for like slow and steady growth. Yeah, that long trickle is pretty much taking you know the millions and of people who are probably holding on the sealed right now, and you know next year the people who kind of overstretch themselves they'll sell. You know the next year the people who have a new collection goal like they'll sell. The next mm -hmm. year after that people who 
want to cash in and buy this other booster box that's $90 that they think is the next Evolving Skies, they'll sell. So, like, every year you have all these categories of people from multiple categories, even the same category stretching out years over years. You know, that's just how things work. Like, there's always going to be people selling because there's always going to be the product out there for the near future. And it is going to take a long time to really get to the point where, like, if you want a booster box, it's kind of hard to find one. But, yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, there... So, let's see. This Pokemon Evolutions just sold, it's coming from France, apparently, $536. Um, yeah, so I guess... An Evolutions well, box? I mean, yeah, it, that looks to be the going rate, like $600 now. Like, even less. It's basically back down to where it was just before the hype started, if you include inflation, honestly. Like, more or less. Um, so, what does that tell you? Yeah, there's no alt-arts, but it's also basically, you know, like a Wawansi reprint in some ways. Um, so... It's a little bit different, but you also get more pulls. It's more enjoyable to open. So there's several different factors. And eventually, not all of these sets are going to be remembered as fondly in terms of, like, what are people going to, whenever, whenever they, like, start to, like, oh, I want to collect this set, what are sets and cards people are going to go after? I think there's going to be more people going after individual cards than actual sets because most of the sets aren't exactly incredible until V-Star Universe, like, the, from top to bottom. And with the rarity of the alt arts, it's like... You know, it's like pulling gold stars. It's not even guaranteed in a box. Even worse. So yeah, like, even worse than that. People don't really open the EX boxes for gold stars because, A, they are rare. But, I mean, can you imagine opening one of those and not pulling a gold star and spending it's thousands of dollars? <laughs> yeah, it's like... That's what these are going to be, not on that scale of price. No. Uh, it's it's going to be disappointing for m- most people. And there was a post on Reddit, a Pokey Investing. Yes, I know it says Pokey Investing. Sometimes it's fun because it actually has like good stuff. But then it, it pulls from like marketplaces like Amazon or Target. Like the most recent one I saw, like RC's RC pin collection, 35% off. Pokey <laughs> Investing. Super stonks, bro. It's I, like, yeah, um, I like uh, looking at it because it, it shows me the the type of collectors that I don't associate with. So, like, <laughs> that's where I go to, like, see what, you know. Say the market, kind of. Like, what yeah. these are the bulk people of a hobby. Like, the normies are in yeah, there. Yeah, that is the normies. No, no offense <laughs> that that's, your, like, your favorite place to go. There's some good information the in there. The are in there. Got to stay away from the plebs. <laughs> There's some good information in there, and no, but yeah, you da- it's the vice is questionable. Yeah, let's I just mean, say ninety percent of the people in those groups, like that group, didn't exist really before the hype. So, like ninety-five percent of the people in that group are new collectors who are into modern. If that's yeah. you, it's fine. Do what you do what you love, but. If you're wanting legit investing advice, you probably should reach out to people of more of a broad spectrum, you know, and not just the last two years. Yeah. 
it's just I like mean, it's social media problems. Yeah, you just you're with the same like-minded people and like whenever you like whenever somebody not always, but whenever somebody has like a valid point of criticism towards like going that quote unquote investing, they get downvoted. Yeah. You know, like they're like no bro and I, as somebody, argue, like, you know, they were saying how much of a holy grail, like, the V, the Umbreon VMAX Altar was. And I'm like, dude, yeah, it's a set grail, but there are so much more legit grails. And, like, yeah, this person was, like, but, like I mean, they were adamant about, like, the price of evolving skies. And it's like, when you get to, to that point where you're in such an echo chamber where everybody's saying the same thing that you, you reinforce with your beliefs, that's when you can get in dangerous high financial risk. And given this person clearly, most likely, I would think has money to afford this, so it's fine. Well, I should say it's fine, but it's not like they're going to be homeless, essentially, is what I'm trying to say, which is something that you don't want. But this is ultimately just people making stupid financial decisions. And you shouldn't be seeing, yes, you can make money in this hobby. Yes, you can make money through, quote, unquote, investing. But you shouldn't be looking at it from an investing lens, necessarily. Unless you're buying truly one of the grails in the hobby that you know is going to go up, then yes, that's kind of an investment ticket. Like, for example, the 20th Century Fest, though we saw there's only 730 tens. That card is definitely going to hit $10,000 and a 10. That's not even a question. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's already almost there, shit. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, it's, you know, so, sir, and then, you know, you're in it at like, what, three, four thousand? Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, cards like that are generally scarce. Yes. You can make money off that from quote unquote investing. But investing in, in something for like upper 2000 something. I don't even know how much I bought that for. That's that's what I'm saying. But then if you're talking about investing, everything that can be found in every Walmart, Target, and in some cases, gas stations in America. Okay, slow your roll, okay? <laughs> like, there are other places, yes, I, we both agree, or at least I, I think you do it to an extent, that, you know, when it comes to art, we are in one of the best eras ever for art in the hobby. Like, nobody is bashing the alt arts. Nobody is bashing the art quality of the Umbreon. Nobody is doing it. Well, I mean, I know you are, but, <laughs> but most people are in terms of what they like. And it's great art, great time in the hobby, great time to collect those cards. And the altars are the cards that will maintain value going forward. But to see it as a blue chip investing point, I think you people really, really need to rethink their decisions. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I just don't know what to say. I uh, I did just find my twentieth uh, anniversary Festa. I paid. Oh, you just found it. Oh, okay. Like, oh, you lost it. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I found it under under my. Oh bed. hey, I just found this five thousand dollar card. You know, I found this in my basement. I swear, I'm shaking. I'm literally <laughs> shaking right now. I bought it for twenty six fifty. And that and that was that raw. Was grading it, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you had a grade that's so, but it's about. 3k with the great hating fees then yeah that's when the tens were about four thousand but yeah yeah i was watching watching it for quite a while and yeah if you, if you know what you're looking for like cards that are easy to grade in tens like that even though it's very expensive it's an easy 10 
and you can see that with the pop report, but and that you know, card, if you get a nine, you still making money. Yeah, you can buy those raw cards. Yeah, you're kind of taking a chance, but when you get the card, you know, look for descriptions that say near mint beautiful card, like where they're talking like it's flawless. Just so you know, you kind of have protection there, so you can get it and look. And if it's not flawless, then send know, it back. Send it back. So, if it is flawless and you think you got a ten, I mean, you can make three years worth of profits and booster boxes. You know, right there in a month, <laughs> if you buy and, certain cards. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say I have one more point when it comes to the sealed. Um, when it comes to the sealed aspect. So Ultra Shiny GX, it was released, I think, in Japan late 2018, uh, like November of 2018. So it, it's going to be five years old this year. Um, it's around 400 bucks, 4 420 on eBay. Now, Ultra Shiny GX became Hidden Fates. Hidden Fates was the bell of the ball until Evolving Skies came out. Now, Hidden Fates is still an incredible set. Even though, yes, we have all parts now, it is a gorgeous, incredible set even now. Um, you know, Shiny just have a way of doing that. You know, I think that's the only way that potentially Pokemon can go further is Shiny all arts. Um, and, I mean, with texture, I guess there's, there's other ways. But it, but essentially, so if that is 420 bucks or so, Ultra Shiny GX for about five years old, from one of the best sets of the era was around during the hype. Hidden Fates was the set people went after for. I mean, what it reached like three, like didn't didn't those boxes almost five hundred dollars a box? Those ETBs, I think I think they did um, before uh, they had the reprint. I can't with remember. ETBs. I wasn't really looking at them too much. It was it was at least three hundred. I, I do recall that. And if it took that long, so if if it's taken this long for Ultra Shiny GX. With a lot of interest, a lot of people enjoy Hidden Fates. They hit four hundred dollars a box. What do you think it's going to take for something like Evolving Skies being printed more than ever? And we know there's going to be a reprint. And if they reprint the booster box, that's going to absolutely destroy the market price. It's going to steady it just like the last reprint of Hidden Fates steadied that price. And you can still get Hidden Fates booster boxes, I think, for around one fifty, maybe two hundred. I mean, so if that tells, I mean, yes, I know that's the English version, but if that tells you, like, what essentially will very well will become of uh, of Evolving Skies, it's another detriment to as a risk factor. Yeah. And if that tells you anything, so it's taken five years for that. So I think some people are kind of thinking, like, the 30th anniversary for Evolving Skies, maybe. But a lot of people were saying ten, on like the subreddits and Discord were saying 10 to 15 years, 10 to 15 years, 10 to 15 years. Shouldn't that trouble you if everybody has the same thought process of when to sell? Yep. Simply put. <laughs> yeah, everyone's thinking the same thing. And if you're new to the hobby within the last two years and you haven't like put in the time or you're just, you know, buying modern, odds are it's like, there's a lot of people like you, you know, just kind of, I mean, this goes back to our evolutions talk, you know, when you're buying evolutions booster boxes and I was trying to tell you to keep them sealed. It's like, learn from my mistakes, people. 
Learn from my mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I told Philip, you know, it, it is fun to open, and I know you guys scratch that itch, but everyone yeah. else who's driving up this price is doing the exact same thing. But, yeah, it's out of your system now. You know, yeah, and we, we haven't even discussed the storage paranoia. Like, for Evolution ETBs, I know I mentioned it before. I literally found them on the shelves. I opened two. I sold the other two on eBay. And the guy gave me a neutral feedback because he got no hits. Well, if you're opening two ETBs for 400 bucks, I think he was on the coast. So the buying power is probably going to be a little different for him. So it was more acceptable to, to open. I, 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 I understand that, you know, because like a $45,000 wage here is like a $90,000 wage out in California. You're like similar buying power. I'll, I'll say it like that. So, yes, it's pro it was probably okay for, for him to open. But like I would never open something like that if you're in at that price point. Yeah, like you're gonna lose money at that point. And the, yes, Evolution is a great set. I, I think got a Mega Full Art Charizard. I think was the only hit I got from those. And I got like a Pidgey EX. Like I, I didn't get really too much hits either. Like it was, it, it sucks. But you know that sometimes happens. But and the hit is a common hollow. Yeah, you know Charizard, which granted all the hollows in the set. If you're not getting a Hollow every pack, I mean, still pretty slim chances. It's like buying, you know, just a normal booster pack of base set. Buy, buy 10 base set booster packs. Odds are you're not going to pull the Charizard, even though there's and, only 16 hits. You know, And imagine what it's going to be like in 10 years, or even 5 years, where you not only are you selling it to them, but you run the risk of, like, say if you have a little bit of humidity, like you weren't able... Most people have are using like silica gel packets and totes. Most people are, but what what if there's a little like I don't know, it's a little the, the wrap's a little fluffy. It kind of looks like you know got a little bit of more moisture in there, so it doesn't look as tight. Or because they printed it to oblivion, the wrap shop is not the best. Well, all of a sudden, like I think it's reprinted or I think it's resealed. <laughs> it looks yeah. kind of sketch, you know. It's got the H seam on it. It's, it's got all that, you know, but. That's another factor. Like, that's a huge risk. So not only are you taking, you know, two-thirds uh, on the dollar of whatever you get, but you also run the risk of that. Because eBay, which is where you're most likely going to have to sell it. Yes, you can do probably Facebook buying groups, but you got just the same amount of risk, if, if, if not more. And you just run the risk of somebody scamming you because now with eBay authentication, if it's over a certain amount, It'll be shipped to one of their uh, facilities, and they will then ship it to that person. So once it ships from eBay, you're off the hook in terms of liability. You're completely off the hook. So if a customer would try to scam you, eBay would be like, well, we sent it out from our facility, and it was fine. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're not going to have that with booster boxes unless they – do a service like that in 10 years because it's going to be the hobby is going to require it to, to be real. I mean, right. But who's to say who they have? Like it's easy if it's in a slab, right. To authenticate it's legit. It's easy for that. And if it's a higher end slab, it's there's ways, there's easier ways to also authenticate higher end cars that you're saying in raw as well. But booster boxes, we saw the issue with Hogan Paul, given it was a case, but we saw that issue with a supposed expert in the hobby. Who do you think he, eBay's going to have, huh? What are their credentials if they do something like that for authenticating booster boxes? Yeah, I mean, people have talked about it already with, like, older sets. Like, 
mean, you pretty much have to open them and even open a pack just to check. You know, it's it's kind of crazy, but I mean, all these problems we're having with, you know, sealed and the Watsy sealed. I mean, that really wasn't a thing back in the day. It wasn't really a thing all the way up until 2016. Um, and then you kind of started to see it. You know, you started to see like first edition resealed earlier than that because it was first edition. But mm-hmm. now, like as like I said, EB Heroes is being printed. This was like last year when the reprint happened, and Rusty TCA Gaming was getting fake boxes, like literally the entire box, not a single hollow pool, because they were all weighed out. Like it, it's scary. So that well, Evie Heroes said that they were they Evie Heroes said they were going to have a seal on their V Star universe or on their future sets, and I just realized there's no seal on the V Star universe box. Yeah, I wonder when they're going to implement that. Maybe on the Scarlet Violet. Yeah, because since you mentioned that, like I was curious, and I don't remember being a seal. And sure enough, I'm, I I have the. It has Arceus on the front, so it has. I like the box, so I save all of like my Japanese booster boxes even after I open. They, like, I think they might be only doing it though for like the the main sets, because you know the high class uh, sets they come in the little ones, but yeah. the main sets they're kind of like the two stack flat ones. Maybe I think they're doing it for those, or that's what they. But showed, why would you do it but, for everything? Why would you do it? I don't know. Like that's yeah. that doesn't make sense to me. Doing it for one, but not the other. I mean, then you got literally what two sets out of the year or something like that that like go through, like probably going to be the best sets too, more or less. So I don't know. That that logic doesn't make sense. So I guess maybe it's just a thing they're doing for Scarlet and Violet, as you said. So or they're just using up the rest of their old stock and then once they run out they'll switch to the new boxes for the smaller ones too yeah. or something and there's something else i kind of want to say so this is anecdotal as well um you know and there's people entering the hobby every day right more or less but i've also been seeing a lot of people getting a rude awakening um in terms of trying to sell their collection for money like oh i'm getting out of the hobby or i need money so i'm selling this and again this is anecdotal um so i don't think there's a mass exodus in the hobby i i i I don't but you're starting to see people trying to sell their collections for money which happens right like you need money real fast and maybe you don't have the best savings which is very common for people for younger people and they're trying to sell their collection here's the thing it's nearly all ultra modern and there was one guy i saw he had the tcg player app it was a fifteen hundred dollar evaluation he had okay that's fine um but if you look closer over 500 cards yeah it's and ridiculous. and his high-end cards were like 20 to 30 dollars there was and i straight up told him i'm like man like i, I i'm not trying to be rude but if you can go to a shop and if you can get as close to a thousand dollars in cash, take it because a shop wouldn't even give him that. They'd probably give him like 500 maybe. Yeah. If each, even if you take the most expensive card at 30 bucks, like mm-hmm. they might give you 15 for it. So mm-hmm. because, because the, the raw cards 
you know, they don't necessarily move as fast, especially if it's the same stuff everybody else has. They got plenty of that. They open, like, a lot of these bigger stores, they open, like, a thousand packs. Like, yeah, they go through it, but, like, they have a lot of that bulk. And there was another guy that had, like, it was, like, 130 cards, and it was, like, a $1,300 value, and they had an Altar Umbreon in there. Literally, like, 40% of the value is from that one card. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 we kind of talked about it, but when you're just opening and opening and opening, not buying singles, and you have all these cards, essentially it's bulk. Because bulk, whenever I sold my bulk back in February of 2021, it was about just shy of $10,000 cards. I got double what places are offering now. Like, I, I, I told you then, I was like, this stuff can print into oblivion. There's going to be a small window of the bulk being at this price rate before it dips. And now it's like for comics, it's like $15 for a thousand. I got like, it was like 30 to 40 per thousand overall is what I, I got. Ended up being just shy of $400. Um, the profit was like 330 if you take out shipping and all that. Um, and like the PayPal fees. But that same amount would get you like half that right now. And some places, like, there's so much bulk. Because we already know last year they printed 9 million cards. And I think it's safe to say they printed more this year in the last 12 months. Well, I think they released that information in February or March. So I'm sure we'll hear something about that soon. Um, and at that point, last year you spent thousands of dollars probably on buying sealed stuff. You know, it's like microcosm what we talked about. Like, people always buy $300 a box and open it and probably only get, like, 60 bucks. That's essentially what happened with these guys. So if you open just for fun, that's great, whatever. But you need to have a cap on it unless you're okay just using this as like a venting hobby, a level of catharsis, and you just want to open. You don't care about the value. If that's the case, then whatever. Do you do you. But if there's a situation where you think you – like if you're in a situation where a $1,000, $2,000 bill coming up will have force you to – sell a lot of your collection then you should probably be buying singles and maybe just one thing to open a month honestly mm-hmm. so where you can control what you're doing but a lot of people aren't I think a lot of people are spreading themselves more than they should and again it's young people it's a young people's hobby so you can get away with that but only for so long yeah, especially if you don't have set goals. I mean, that's why it's so important to have your set goals and stick to them because everyone's fallen victim. I kind of fell victim to it just this week of buying something that wasn't my direct goals, even though it was kind of a longer goal. But, I've been you know, pretty good about it so far. <laughs> do what? I've been pretty good so far, but it's only been 10 days. <laughs> Yeah, you just got to uh, stick with them because you'll see someone post about something and you'll get excited and, you know, all that business. Then you'll do some research and you'll dig into something and you'll buy something. And Yeah, it's a, it's a trap for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I think at that point we're down to the junk slab era. Well... There is the junk slabs, but I also wanted to say real fast that I think like we're, this isn't meant to like hit every single like era, but I will say that there looks like there's going to be a lot of movement. I, I think you're going to see a lot of movement. You've already seen it to an extent with the EX era cards, like the original EX era. 
right now they're relatively affordable. Not all of them, obviously, but in lightly played in your mint, even sometimes, I think you're about to see it take another jump within the next 12 to 15 months. I think there's going to be a lot of that that's going to be ate up on the market because we talked about it before. The EX era is very slept on, and the price point doesn't make sense. And I think if you're looking to buy one, obviously don't spread yourself thin, but focus on which ones you want to buy, and I would buy them this year. Because I think they're going to start making it to where it's really difficult to find conditions that you're looking for because they are slept on. They are naturally rare, especially in your mint, because it was the lowest point in the hobby. And I think if it's something that you would like to get, it's. I know it's also kind of like the same thing with an echo bubble. With the Elite Forum, I couldn't help but notice like when people talk about goals, one of the most common things that people said was the EX era cards. Yeah. So it, I don't think the market's quite accounted for that next spike, but I think you're going to see another increase this year at some point. Yeah, like with the EX era, we saw people buying it at the Collecticon last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely the area where people weren't focusing. Like we said many times, you know, a lot of people went to Gen 1 sets. And then if they got that done, maybe Neo because Neo never really saw like the huge increase nor the huge decline. So I think it was pretty much safe where the people getting into it were right there at the end. Um, and there's a lot less of it too. And same with the EX era. They never really saw a huge increase or a huge decline. And I think it's mostly just because people didn't know about it or didn't adventure there yet. They were doing other goals. So we are seeing that now. So, yeah, could be. I think it's, I think, you know, the OG sets, they're pretty much bottomed out, except for some things that people were just sending off just because, like, you know, the starters, first evolutions, like Charmanders and Bulbasaur's from base set, people probably sent those out just because they were stonking so hard. And a lot of people knew this isn't going to last forever. They were trying to capitalize on it, but... I think we're going to see slow growth on pretty much everything. You know, we're in a very healthy spot now. The bubble popped. And I think it's just going to be a slow climb, even for pretty much everything up until X and Y. It's either going to remain the same or just be very slow trickle up. Some things, like we talked about last episode with the promos, they have potential to really go up quick because there's just not many available and people haven't really been adventuring there yet either on the broad spectrum but yeah it's gonna be i think there's gonna be some good years ahead of us i mean if the recession continues for a year or two i mean it could be stagnant for a little while maybe that'll be good for most people so allow you to reach your goals quicker but yeah, it's. I think it's going to be on the steady up climb, and some things potential to break out that deserve it. So, does EX deserve it? I mean, maybe. I just don't think many people ventured there. Not many people have graded there, so I think it deserves like a little uptick, just because it's been so bare. But I don't know. You know, my my gold stars. I'm rooting for my gold stars. They need to be. Higher for sure. I probably yeah, should I'm, probably should grade those pretty soon before they get higher. I'm not higher. so. Sh- 
I don't know how much of the recession is going to affect the hobby. You know, it's not like it's a severe recession. Um, and there are signs of like getting better, although it's too early to fully. So I, and then like, you know, we kind of talked about how fiscally irresponsible a lot of these individuals, younger people are. So I, I just don't know how much it's going to actually affect it is what I'm saying. Um, now, I, I think what's going to affect it most potentially in the next year or so, especially ultra modern, is kind of what you hinted on before. Um, with if the Pokemon company just goes ham like they did with the Star Universe and just print to an oblivion, and like the Charizard UPC, if they do that with basically like Evolutions, Actual Radiance, Lost Origin, um, and a few other sets, if they do that, that's going to make it to where. It's going to take years for you to see significant growth. Um, that could cause frustration and burnout within the hobby for a certain percentage of the base. Mm-hmm. And it could be enough to actually affect the overall hobby. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be like a straight crash, like, you know, in the late 80s, or early 90s, because that's something a little different. Pokemon is very smart about not printing to the point where it's worthless, like they did with these. Uh, sports cards in the late 80s and early 90s but it will be enough to where say if you bought it like $300 a box evolving skies and it goes down to 150 180 maybe 200 at max and it stays steady there for like a year two years it might cause some frustration like you can't sell or you take a huge loss and i would think a lot of people probably are in like i use like 130 shipped as like a point because that's a realistic low but not we know not everybody bought at that point Damn. so i there there are some like signs that could lead to a mass frustration and burnout within the hobby amongst the ultra modern crowd um the ones that are keeping this hobby turning in some ways in terms of like the direct money to pokemon and if there's enough frustration and they stop opening and just keeping the crap sealed. I think it's interesting to consider what effects that might have within the market. Because could you see a bunch of people leaving the hobby for a couple years? I think it's possible. I do. Yeah, I would think they'd have to get burned out and, you know, mature and stop opening stuff. But yeah, then again, there's always new people entering the hobby you know, people that, coming that, of age. Thing. Yeah. It's like all these kids that I hear about in the game stores, their favorite Pokemon's Umbreon, and, you know, they're keeping up with the times just like we are, despite the show and everything. Like, you know, they're on YouTube, they're on Twitch watching these people open, and they love it. So they they see those people and like people on whatnot and Twitch, you know, they're always going to be opening because that's, mm-hmm. the, that's the content. And what so, do they have? They have a, a counter, a money counter being over each pack. Like, Oh, this is $5, you know, and they're probably opening the first month that set came out. So you're looking at like set highs more or less. And not by the time, you know, you might be looking to sell a year or two down the road when you got your set lows. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean that, that isn't the whole other aspect, like the long term with the kids in this era that are huge in this era that are going to want to potentially buy some of these products down the road. 
Um, but just in the short term, I, I think there are some grounds there to cause mass burnout with ultra modern um, people. And it might cause a shift. It might cause people to burn out. But, you know, there's there's also other factors. How many people are constantly entering? How many people are just buying something to open every so often just for something to do but don't really care about, like, going for huge collections but just enjoy opening every so, like, once or twice a month? I mean, there's there's that to consider as well. Yeah. So, like, there there is there is potentially some things, some signs where it could affect a large percentage of the market. But... Pokemon is generally pretty smart about that, but it's just really inter- interesting to see what might occur if there's a sudden realization like, oh, I'm in a echo chamber. I can't believe I dropped $5,000 on seal product. And then, you know, it's not just dropping on seal product. You got people buying like, like, like I said, like the RCS pen collection or like the things that aren't going to people aren't going to be looking up for in five years. I'll just say that. Collections nobody's going to be entering to try to find in five years. Yeah. Like, you know, the RCS V-Star, you know, UPC, you know, the Charizard UPC, yes, it will go up in value eventually, you know? It's just, again, the whole point of this episode when it came to the whole thing was sealed. If you want to keep stuff sealed, that's fine. There's just a lot of risk factors involved, and if you are going to do that, you got to be very, very smart about it. You need to be buying at the all-time lows. You need to be basically... You pretty much have to be doing like what everyone else isn't too. It's like, yeah, yeah. you might watch Rudy or these guys who have inventory and you're like, I want to do what they do. Well, yeah, you know, we've, we talked about the problems with that. It's like, yeah, that's great. You'll probably make money, but can you hold that long? Can you resist not opening it? Is it only going to be a hundred bucks? Cause you're only going to hold it for two years and you're only going to buy one box. Yeah, there's better avenues, but you also got to think every, like 90% of people are doing that. And if you haven't been around long enough, you know, you don't know that just doing the norm or doing what everyone else is doing just isn't, you know, you might do well, but it's not going to set you up big time. And the difference is, is that they're buying so much more, um, you know, if you're collecting for the right factors, like I've been doing for 10 plus years, like stuff just comes to you because people, if you're going against the norm, like collecting Pokemon cards wasn't cool for the longest time. Like I just collect what I liked. So odds are there was other people, turns out I was right, who liked the same thing. Like if, if you have interest in something, someone else will too and it'll pay off if you're in it for the right reasons like if you don't really care to make money you're just collecting it because you like it odds are like you're going to make out well eventually because other people like it too that's exactly what these big people like like rudy he's making videos he's hoarding boxes because that's what people like to do but you know people are just followers in his case if you look today at some of the opportunities, you know, everyone's dogging on the Charizard UPC right now because there's so many of them and you can get them for like 90 bucks online. But that's a great product. Like those, you know, they're not going to go super stonks because there's so many of them. But in about a year or two from now, like people, probably well, people are probably going to want to open something that's cool, like from this era. And they might not want to buy 
a $400 Evolving Skies booster box or whatever it is then. Or they might not want to buy a $100 Evolving Skies booster box because they reprinted it into Oblivion and they know they're not going to pull, you know, the big dog. But something like the Charizard box, which would probably go up to like 150 200 down the road, like you get good value there. You get quite a bit packs. Yeah, either 15, either 15 or 18. Because if you think about it, just with the value point, you're actually, with the three promos, even if you just mark them at $10 per, like at ninety ninety five, so we'll just say 100 you know, shift. I yeah. mean, you're getting a, you're getting a, is it 15 or 18 packs? I don't, I don't even say know. 15, but I, yeah, I can't remember. I mean, with tax, they're almost $5 a pack. So, I mean, yeah, right getting, now, you get great good value, value right now. Yeah. And you get a wide range of packs, and you get three mm-hmm. Evolving Skies packs. and So I could see that one jump from, like, say if you get a 90, I could see that one quickly recover up to, like, within a year or two, up to, like, 200 bucks. But, you know, that's another thing. With just one, you're not making that much money. Yeah. Like, I, a lot of people aren't thinking about, like, taxes and the eBay fees when it comes to cost because they just don't have that mentality yet because they're still too young and they, it's just not their strong point or, or whatever reason because we don't really teach financial literacy in this country in schools and so it would be interesting to see how the hobby matures as we get older in addition to the buying power as well so there's just a lot of factors to consider going forward and you know you mentioned also what not streamers because I think whatnot streamers are, honestly, they become very crucial to the hobby, believe it or not, um, in some ways. Now, they're kind of, I don't want to say they're taking advantage of their base, per se, but because they're, like, say when you buy, like, like these mystery boxes that every streamer has, they're stuffing it full, like, they're, they're, they're pricing it by giving you the top market value of whatever slab that you might have in there. And it's like an evolution slab, um, PSA nine, that's like 25, like they're pricing it like 30 bucks, you know? And then they're just giving you a bunch of packs. Like there's better avenues to, to, to make that money, obviously in terms of like what, what you're spending on, but they're the individuals that are able to give you the most at shows because they are able to sell things quote unquote at a hundred percent, market value so because of that they can give you like 65 to almost 70 percent cash on some stuff depending on what it is so we have a lot of gen zers like zoomers that like prefer like tiktok and other social media and they enjoy these whatnot these whatnot hangout sessions of purchasing items and what happens when your base kind of matures and gets out of that yeah. Echo bubble. Do, do will the whatnot streamers evolve? Because I kind of had this feeling with some whatnot streamers based on my interaction with them. Um, so in person, it was great, right? But then you try to hit up some of these people over Instagram, and saying that they would buy in person, they're not buying, and they're buying like through cash. So I wonder how many of these individuals are essentially doing tax evasion more or less by paying in cash and not documenting it. And so because of that, 
they're obviously so they're making it to where like their income is less and they're being taxed less. You know, they have all this fluid cash that can't be necessarily traced because it they bought it in cash, they gave out cash. So yeah. there's like no tracing to that that you're 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 able to, to do. And I can't help but notice maybe it's my cards, which is possible, but I got straight up like denied on like a half dozen whatnot streamers. Yeah. Is it you know, there's a lot of factors that could be at play, but I feel like the most common one the first thing that came to mind was they don't want to have that paper trail. That's the first thing that came to mind. Why they're so hesitant. They were, they, they were like with glee to try to pay it. But, you know, also are they even so full on these slabs that they don't want to buy it as well? Which is also possible. But the first thing that came to mind is just like tax evasion. <laughs> Well, that, yeah, that, that was the first thing that, of, that came to mind. They're getting a lot of money in hand at the show too. That yeah, yeah, they'd like to put to use for the business in some way or the other. So so and sure you know, as soon as they make a sale, they're looking for something to buy. You know, yeah. within two minutes to make that money work for them again. And the whole aspect is that is how long will some of these individuals last? But again, like you said, there's always new people starting up every day as well. Yeah, so. Right now, yeah, it seems healthy, like like the kids I saw in the game store the other day, whose favorite was Umbreon, they were like five to nine. There was like two or three of them with their grandma. So as long as there's kids like that coming in, it'll it'll work out. But yeah, as far as these junk slabs, like who gets caught holding it at the end, I mean... It surely must just be sentimental to them, or they don't care. They're learning. Um, so, yeah, hopefully it gets all flushed out, like I said, this summer. Maybe we'll do another video kind of talking about it um, once we hit up a Collecticon yeah. and see where it's at. Because it might be already too late if you're still holding on to it and you were counting on it potentially to make a little bit of money, like... It might be too late for for that sort of thing, but if not, by this summer is going to be your last chance before the, the amount of circulation is like everything. Because I know the last people that, like I said, like the last people that were still waiting on their October 2020 orders, they're being the people are starting to hit those now. Um, so that's even more that's being introduced in circulation, and it's just interesting to see what's what's going to happen. Like when the KC shows, or like you know when the, the the cons start appearing and that'd be the best way to buy and sell. And honestly with, with the tax laws and now with the sales tax being on eBay in person is becoming the way to sell and buy. Yeah. I guess uh, if we don't have anything to touch on the main topic anymore, we could get into the question. Cause I know you had kind of a question about that. If you, if you yeah. talk about that. Yeah. Let's just kind of go straight into the question with that one. Um, so, starting on the 1st of January, so, like, two weeks ago, essentially, <laughs> um, sales tax is being affected to the price for eBay. So, not only do sellers, like, so it's both sellers and buyers' perspective, so not only do sellers have to more or less account for eBay's fees already uh, for pricing items, but now you have sales tax to include. And here's the thing, the sales tax and the percentage that they take off is from being is from the sales tax plus item listing. Yeah. So you're being the fees are being deducted from the total value between the sales tax and the actual price. 
and it kind of threw me off because it ended up being more of a loss than I was expecting, or not loss, but more fees taken. I was like, wait, why was that? That's like 15%. What's what's going on here? And I realized it's because it was being deducted from the sales tax. I'm like, oh, okay. So that's frustrating. That was frustrating to me whenever I, when I saw that. Um, and now for like higher end items. So for, for us, it's like 6.25% sales tax you play between the city and state sales tax. Other states, I'm probably, I'm sure are a little bit different. But so now when you're going to be buying like a higher dollar card, essentially, how will this affect that or any like larger transaction? So my question is, how will the sales tax inclusion on eBay affect secondary market prices? And more importantly, how will it affect in-person prices? So, yeah, I think, you know, we were already seeing some people shift around off of eBay. Um, some people who have big stores and been in it a while, like they don't really care about the fees because, you know, they, a lot of people argue that eBay's, eBay's services and their reach and how, you know, they benefit from putting your card out there and promoting it if you pay for the promotion, because they do promote pretty well. Um, you know, that's worth the fees, but more and more now, especially if you get a following these places like Instagram and Facebook, I mean, I think it's going to benefit, especially in the short term, because people are going to just probably take off the 10% just to not have to deal with it. And maybe you have to like travel to meet someone or send it through Facebook. So I think we're going to see that, you know, mentality of wanting to just do off of eBay like a little stronger um, as people mature in the hobby, especially like in-person events. Like, I think that's really going to shine like potentially at this year's Collecticons, I would say, you know, you could probably buy stuff easily 10% under or a little more maybe. Um, especially if you're doing more deals with the person, because we already saw good deals at the last Collecticon. Mm-hmm. Um, just by interacting with people, you know, they come down a little bit. So I think it's, uh, you know, I think it's worth the fees to some extent just by getting the reach. Like if you have, you know, a big card, but for buying now, like, yeah, you really got to, yeah, you really got to pay attention to all that. For cards like, you know, the Mario Pikachu where you don't really mm-hmm. see very many, I mean, it kind of stinks because you don't have too much of a choice. But for modern cards, like, I would definitely try to get out to a show because especially with modern and the junk slab still coming back all the way up to what I think will be summertime, you know, these these people probably want to get rid of their stuff relatively quick. Because, um, yeah, not many people are interested in them. A lot of people are getting them back. Prices are trickling down. Like the odds of you getting a good deal if you can't wait are probably pretty high with that stuff. But yeah, it, it it's got its benefits and it's got its downsides. I think the uh, the in person interactions are going to be better than ever. But to some extent, yeah, eBay just has you know the reach that you need if you're trying to find something harder to find. Yeah. See, 
we kind of seen it a little bit. If you have limited items of a certain card, like with the Mario P Pikachu, where the seller has more power in terms of negotiation because it's limited in what's available on the market, I think you could almost see having it to where it's closer to almost the eBay's fees without the 10% taken off or the 13% taken off. So essentially, say like, you know, the average price around like 25 or whatever, 100 for the Mario Pikachu. Well, with sales tax, that will bring it closer to 2700 Now, if you, at least with our sales tax. Now, say if somebody has that card in person, you're like, I want to buy that card. Well, they're like, okay, I'm going to do 2350 $2,400. And they're like, well, not only are we lower than the ones on eBay, but you don't have to pay the sales tax because you're paying the cash. Yeah. So I think with certain items, it gives the seller more power in terms of negotiations for what they are willing to or able to sell it for because the no sales tax. Now, you know, that that's just that's not every card. Right. So not every card is going to be like that. So like your lower value cards, it's going to be more preferable to do in person and you'll be able to get great deals still. Um but your more niche cards, your rare cards, I think those will be more suspect to potentially being pretty close to what you're seeing on the actual prices listed for eBay because you're not paying sales tax. So in some ways, you can argue it balances out, and that can offer a change in the hobby on how some buyers purchase their items and in terms of negotiations. So while I couldn't get a deal done with, obviously, with Vince with Yeti Gaming, you know, and I understand, like, you know, not anything against him. Like, I completely understand where he's coming from, and I would be in the same boat. I would 100% be in his same shoes if I were him. I'd be fighting for every penny that I had I could and maybe giving a 10% off deal to 13% off, maybe. You know, like, I was, like if, if somebody came in, like, offer like $2,200 cash, I'd probably, like right there, I'd probably take it, you know, because it's fluid money. And waiting like another two months for it to sell, where you have that money right there, is it really that much of a difference? I don't know if it is. Um, Now, that's not every seller, though, obviously. And I think it's going to be very, it's not black and white. It's going to be a lot of gray area. But... If they, if like say for example in this situation he wants like twenty three twenty four hundred not too far off what he has from eBay, now I'll just be like well, I'll just wait till the summer, <laughs> and yeah. I'll see if I can't find one at, at a KC con or like a, a festival or like you know a convention because at that point the cost effectiveness because you know round trip with time and gas and having to get food and just like in general like I mean and the money I would get if say if I bought in person or like on eBay with my cash rewards uh, with my credit card. And all of a sudden, point two hundred. Like if they want more, it's not worth it for me, you know. Yeah. Because the price point for that card is not twenty two hundred dollars. Although, if you have a buy it now, yes, you can probably get that, and it's probably maybe a little bit overpaid, but it's understandable. But if you're trying to say it's twenty five hundred dollars, for example, for this card, that's a little bit harder to stomach, and it's like, well. That isn't there based on the PSA 10 prices and blah, blah, blah. Well, might as well just see what happens come summer or at, at a convention. Because I guarantee if you give somebody $2,300 cash right then and there, say the eBay price is like, you know, $2,400, $2,500, I bet you'll have somebody that will take it. Because that, that, that is a fair price. It is. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just if it stays low enough to get to that point. Every yeah. post you see, everyone wants a card. It's But even the PayPal sales, though, if you look at it, are, are based on, like, the sub-$2,000 market price. Like, everyone I've seen in terms of the PSA 9, it's based on, like, an $1,800 market price. Not 2200 So... Clearly, the the majority of the market hasn't compensated yet for that potential price, but I think the movie could cause it to go that high. So yeah. there's some there's some like pros and cons here, like you know, in terms of strategy. But that's not every card, obviously. But you just and then you, you go with like collection houses. You got bought by a premium already, and that's even more. So I mean, it's just kind of it won't affect every car, but it will affect some, and I think it will be more reinforcement to want to have to buy in person. Mm-hmm. Yep. It'll, it'll be interesting how it plays out for sure. Uh, yeah. My question kind of based on products, like do you think Pokemon will continue with the special products like the UPCs and stuff like that? I feel like, Right now we have an overabundance. Like I'd hate to be a promo collector because there's just so many products now and so many promos. You know, obviously I think we'll continue with the smaller promo boxes and stuff like that. But if the situation we're in right now was dependent on the Charizard UPC, meaning they got behind because they had to focus so much on that, like, do you see them doing that again for other products? Yes, because I bet that was their best-selling item in 2022. Simply put. So, I so it'll, it'll depend on everything. But like, we just had a the end of era promo with the that's just collection box. We had the. RCS UPC, the Charizard UPC. We're having this Koro Koro, you know, illustration contest, given that's just in Japan. So it's still there. You know, we're seeing the illustri- also the illustration with the art illustration. We're seeing that every year. Um, so I think they'll, they will continue to have special products, but those special products will be printed so much, it's debatable if you should use the word special. <laughs> yeah. I, I just kind of word it like that um you know they had the stamp box like they've clearly they had the the charizard delivery they are developing ways to continue to release these special items and having it to where it can reach the masses and i think they've reached a good point with it um it'll be a case-by-case basis on what those cards are (laughs) but i see no reason why they won't continue that but yeah. then it's no longer me as rare. I'll, like it's no, you're not going to see like the 20th century or the 25th anniversary festival. You're not going to see stuff like that anymore, though. Yeah, I feel like people were wondering about that. Like, if they become less special, that's kind of where the it came from. The uh, you know, if they become less special, like the Charizard DPC, where there's just so many printed. Like, do you see the demand going down enough where they don't print them or or not? And yeah, my, my answer was basically as long as they're making special products like that, if they're limited or not, like most people are going to want to have one. Like, mm-hmm. 
maybe the next product that comes out might be the real test because, you know, I think the scalpers got the hint this time around and they realize, you know, they might have to change their game plan. So maybe the next time they do it, the next Charizard special box, they'll print to Oblivion and it won't do as well because people saw what happened to this one. But I think no matter what, they're going to be good and people will buy them up either way. So, I mean, if you look at it, if you were going to scalp an item, the top item to scalp this year probably was the Precious Collection box. But, you know, that was only supposed to be like one per account. So you would have to go through a lot of trouble to be able to order like enough to seriously make some bank on that. Um, and the amount of people that would probably go through that trouble are, are probably people that you're probably not going to find a scalper because they just want their, their money and, and leave. So that's too much hassle for a scalper, for most scalpers. So if somebody's doing that, it's basically somebody well involved in the hobby, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep, it'll be interesting for sure. But I guess that pretty much does it for this episode, though. Yeah, that's so. uh, this was a this was a pretty good one, I would say. Yeah, we like these episodes where it's kind of like a topic that we can just talk about. You know, some of our other ones are pretty structured; some of them are not. Um, I think we've been kind of drifting away from our original structure, where we have like. You know, the intro, news, main, game, and all that. Mm-hmm. But I think it makes for a better, like, flowing one, in yeah. my opinion. Well, with so. we kind of talked about it before. Like, with the game, I kind of like the over-under on, like, a hot topic item. Like, a Charizard DPC or the actual delivery Charizard. Like, I think those are fun. Like, you know, there's no wrong answers, you know, guess to see what's going to happen. And I, I think those are pretty cool little quote unquote games. And the flavor text is fun, but like not every set has it. And a lot of times they make it so obvious it's not fun. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I usually do timestamps, but maybe I'll kind of get rid of those somehow or just because, you know, I had the structure laid out on those, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Most of our listeners are on Spotify anyway, where you know they don't really jump to or a Apple. section. But yeah. yeah, but we'll see what I happens. Mean, yeah, you, yeah, and we have some good ideas for the next episode. There's, I guess, a kind of very right, maybe an era episode or a maybe it's when we talk about Scarlet Violet because I imagine by next episode we're going to see most of the Japanese release. So yeah. We'll have to see how much is released or should be a news topic, at least, for sure. But Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one. See you all later. Peace.